Okay, so the reading is from Matthew 1, 18 to 25, and it is also included in the events section of um, version on your phones, if you so wish. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Veronica. And so before we begin to unpack this message, this passage about the birth of Jesus, just want to highlight a couple of things. Um, so once again, this book, All In. Um, so our, our vision theme for 2019 is All In. Um, and so um, it doesn't actually come from this book, but then when I found this book, um, that, uh, yeah, it's just a great book to engage around that message. So uh, special YCBC price, $15 for that. Um, you can see Carl at the check-in desk, info desk, afterwards to grab a copy of those. If you don't have the money on you today, that's fine. Uh, we'll just pop your name down and you can take a copy um, or, or five copies to share with your friends and... Um, We'll hunt you down and get that money off you later. Um, and the other thing, uh, clipped on the notice board, they've been on the seats for the last few weeks, but um, we've, we've withdrawn them to the notice board this week. And so if you haven't seen these, it's just how will you serve in 2019. And so just encouraging everybody to think about how they might serve as part of the church um, uh, for, on Sundays or the outreach of the church in some ways. And so there's a bunch of things on there that you can... Um, tick and pop your name on and we can talk to you about that. If if you're really passionate about something that's not on there, feel free to just write it on the back. Um, Even if it doesn't exist yet, um, we're we're happy to chat about that with you. So I really encourage you to grab one of those. You can um, give them to me, um, pop them in at the check-in desk or pop them in the offering bag over the next um, little while. So I encourage you to uh, engage with that. All right. So I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into the birth of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for this word um, this morning from your scripture that, that tells us of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray this morning in these next few minutes as we unpack that, Lord, as we explore that, that once again, as I've prayed several times, that our familiarity with this story, with this message and the busyness of this season uh, of the year, Lord, wouldn't blind us to the, the significance and the weight of meaning, um, of of what it means for us that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save us. And so as much as this message may not be new for for probably all of us or most of us this morning, Father, I pray that that you would just um, implant it at deeper levels in our heart this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Um, decorations are going up and we thank Renee for, and her family uh, and anyone else that helped her for, for the great decorations in our, in the Glassfords. The Glassfords uh, get tagged onto everything in the life of this church in a positive way. Uh, if anything happens in the life of your church, you can bet there's a Glassford involved. So always need to thank the Glasswoods. Um, and so thank you for those who, who decorated and um, it just makes our, our, our church building look Christmassy and we'll see around our local streets, uh, lights are starting to pop up, um, Christmas trees are going into homes. I think we won this year, I think we're the first uh, to get our Christmas tree up and that's because we're going away so we wanted to get some use out of it before we left. Um, People are going on holidays, uh, there's a busyness to this season, um, and there's an extravagance to the way that we celebrate Christmas. We, we have carols, events, and things like that, and so uh, the, the year's beginning to look a lot like Christmas now as we get into the midst of December. And so we know that Christmas, as, especially as followers of Jesus, I doubt any of us have come to church this morning and not thought that the, the underlying message of Christmas is the birth of Jesus. But when we look at the biblical stories and, and compare it with our kind of almost extravagant celebration of that, there's kind of almost a clash, isn't there? Uh, the biblical accounts, only two of the Gospels actually mention the birth of Jesus. Of course, the other two, John and, and Mark, assume it. Uh, but, but only Matthew and Luke... Uh, actually talk about the birth of Jesus. And when we read through those accounts, they're very matter-of-fact. In fact, Matthew's gospel that we're exploring uh, over the next few weeks, the first two chapters of this, this birth and early life of Jesus, Matthew doesn't actually even talk about the birth. He talks about the lead-up to it. And then when we jump to chapter 2, Jesus has already been born. It says after he was born in Bethlehem. And, and so at the backdrop of our, our, our rightfully joyful celebration at the birth of Jesus, we get these fairly straight to the point, almost understated biblical accounts. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is just explore that early life and birth story of Jesus through Matthew. And, and in a, a number of our sermon series over the last little while, we've been looking at different parts of Matthew. So we're going to do that. Uh, over the next few weeks as we come to Christmas. And, and so what we're, what we're talking about this morning is, is this sense of what does this message of Jesus' birth mean for us? What does it mean for us 2,000 years later or so that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? And so if we look at, at Matthew's uh, account of Jesus' birth, he begins with a genealogy. And who doesn't love a good genealogical record? I mean, if you want to start an exciting story, if you want to set the scene of excitement, then just list a family tree. If who begat who begat who begat who? It's almost as exciting as I was just reading during the week uh, the part in Joshua where they're giving the, the, the parts of the promised land are being apportioned to different tribes. And, and it's almost as exciting as that, where they're detailing various geographical references of a place that I have no idea about and have never been to. These genealogical records are almost as exciting as that. Because if we're honest, we usually skip over these parts, don't we? We go, oh, yeah, father, 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 oh, and once we hit verse 18, which is exactly what we've done this morning, we go, here's a part worth reading. And so we don't love a good genealogical record, but there's meaning in this. 
And so I want to explore, well, what, what did Matthew put it there for? If this story of Jesus' birth, which I believe it is, is the most profound event in all of history, if we include the entire Jesus event, which is a phrase I'll use over the next few weeks, Jesus' event, which I mean Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. If that is the most profound event in human history, then I think Matthew was, had at least some sense of purpose when he thought, I'm going to bring, begin this story with a genealogy. Luke has a genealogy, but he at least waits three chapters to get us interested in the story before he drops his. <laughs> but Matthew had a purpose. And so this morning I want to explore, well, why did Matthew begin with this? He says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so that first verse of this genealogy, this this tells us what it's there for. This genealogy does a number of things. It's an anchor for the Jesus story. It's an anchor that anchors the event of Jesus in history. This event of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection happened at a historical time and place. The genealogy is an anchor that puts it within the course of human history. It comes after Abraham and David and and it comes after Joseph and Mary. It's an anchor in human history. But deeper than that, it anchors Jesus as the son or the descendant of King David. It anchors Jesus as the answer to the promise of a Messiah, the anointed one who would come and restore Israel. It anchors Jesus as the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is the son of David. He is the heir to the throne. He is the coming king. And so the genealogy paints that line, it paints that path back to David and, and down to Jesus and says, here is your king Israel. Here is the one who has come to bring redemption. But more than that, it goes back further to say that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And this anchors him as an Israelite, as, as, as one who was, who was of the right group of people to be the Messiah. But, but more than that, it actually is the opposite of that in a sense because it's the heir to the promise of blessing of all nations. It anchors Jesus as the fulfillment of what God said to Abraham in in Genesis chapter uh, 22 in verse um, 18. Where God said to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so Jesus is the son of David, he's the coming Messiah, but but he's the son of Abraham, he is the offspring of through whom all nations on earth will be blessed. And so the genealogy is an anchor that that pins Jesus to these things in human history. It pins Jesus to being the descendant of David, to being the descendant of Abraham. But, But more than that, and ultimately, the genealogy tells us that all of human history has led us to this point to the birth of Jesus, not just the the promise of uh, another king on David's throne, not just the promise of one who would be a blessing to all nations, but, but all of human history points to this moment of the Jesus event. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, Matthew makes his point clear in case we missed it through, um, through reading all the gene- genealogy which we have in fact skipped over this morning. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 17... Matthew makes sure that we don't miss the point. He says, Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile uh, to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Christ. And so Matthew is saying that all of human history is ordered, it has a purpose, it's pointing somewhere, and it's all pointing towards the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, Matthew actually did some work to make that point clear because there's not actually 14 generations in each of those categories. Matthew has left some names out, which is, which is not lying. It's part of how they did genealogies. Uh, they would leave some people out. They would skip some. They would make the numbers of different stages even so it was easy to remember. This word in the Greek for the father of doesn't literally mean the direct father of. It can mean the, the ancestor of, um, just as we say that that. Uh, Abraham's the father of Jesus, that um, David is the father of Jesus in that sense because he's the son of them. It doesn't mean that he's their, they, he's their literal direct son. But so Matthew has done this work. He's, he's aligned it all even so that we can see his point that says it's all pointing to this moment. All of human history, all of redemptive history from the promise to Abraham that that God would supply an answer to the problem of human existence to sin points to this moment. And so the genealogy is not the, the most exciting part of the Bible. But it's there for a meaning and it's for this meaning that, that to be an anchor and to point to this moment as being the fullness of time, the most significant event in which all of history points towards. And so what does that mean for us? How do we reflect on that? Well, I want to suggest that it means that all of our own lives, all of our own stories point to this moment, if they're to have any meaning. Not just the, 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 the literal moment of Jesus' birth, but the, the Jesus event. He's coming into this world that, that all of history points towards this moment. And so all of our own lives, all of our own histories, all of our own stories point to this moment, to the Jesus event. If our lives are to have meaning and purpose, then, then it's this event of Jesus coming into the world that we must unpack and discover and find meaning in and through. And so what does the birth of Jesus mean for us? If, it, if it's all pointing to this moment, if it's all about this event of Jesus coming into the world, then, then what does that mean? How should we respond to it? And so I want to move beyond the genealogy this morning and to suggest that it's all in the name or names. That, that the meaning of this story of Jesus' birth is, is all in the name or names of Jesus. And so the story goes on. Matthew moves on from his genealogy. He's, he's anchored this, this moment in history as a historical event. He's anchored who Jesus is as the son of Abraham, as the son of David. He, he has said that all of history points to this moment. And then he just tells us very matter-of-factly, about this moment. He says, 
in verses 18 and 19, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so all of human history points to this moment, but it begins with a scandal. Joseph and Mary are pledged to be married together. They're betrothed, which is a legal binding agreement. They are spoken of in this, in Jewish culture, in this time of their relationship, they're spoken of as husband and wife. Uh, there's, it's much more than what we would consider an engagement, just an agreement between two people that at one point they'll get married. This is essentially, they've had a pre-wedding process, a pre-wedding wedding where they've betrothed to one another, they've promised to one another, it's legally binding, they're considered husband and wife, but they've not yet moved in together uh, and to share a bed together. And so to have any relationship outside of this relationship was considered to be adultery. And so Mary is found to be pregnant. If we uh, grab from Luke, the other, the other gospel that talks of Jesus' birth, um, Mary was, had her encounter with the angel and she went off to see her cousin Elizabeth and uh, she stayed there for, for three months or so and uh, then she returned to her hometown. And so this moment where she's found to be pregnant is probably she's literally, wait a minute, something has begun to grow within you. We can see a bump there, Mary. And so she was found to be pregnant and Joseph knew, knew two things. He was betrothed to be married to her but he was not the father of this child. And we're told that he was a, 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 a lower abiding uh, man. And so the thing is, he could not abide by the law, the Jewish law, and ignore this fact. He was obligated to divorce her for her presumed act of adultery but he was also a compassionate man and and so he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace or or if the full extent was the, of the law was lived out to being stoned to death for her adultery and so he sought to do that quietly and so the thing is we see this through Joseph's eyes in Matthew's gospel that there's this scandal of him discovering that he's he's betrothed his wife who he has not yet shared a bed with is pregnant there's this scandal from his eyes but but if we broaden the lens out, this is a scandal in everybody's eyes. Everybody knows that Mary is pregnant, but, but shouldn't be. And so Joseph decides he's going to divorce Mary quietly. He's going to try and spare her uh, the, the most dis- possible disgrace that he can. The story of Jesus' birth begins with scandal. But after Joseph considers this, we're told that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in verse uh, 20 in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins.
And so Matthew, as, as Mary already knew, Matthew tells us that Joseph now knows that this child within Mary is from the Holy Spirit. This is something from God. I used to, well, I still have the friend. We haven't talked for a long time because we moved away. But I had a friend who used to wear this shirt that said, um, abstinence is 99.9999999% effective. Saying that you can abstain. There's, there's one case in human history where abstinence has not been an effective form of contraception. And, and so, so Mary knows, now Joseph knows also that this child is, is not the product of adultery, but the product of God's encountering her in the Holy Spirit, and she is now uh, pregnant with God's own son. And so the angel says not just to accept Mary uh, as, as his wife, to take him home, take her home to be with him, but he gives Joseph a name to give this child. He says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And so this name Jesus, the meaning of this whole story is right here in the name of Jesus. Where to think about what this event of, of Jesus' birth means, it's all in the name. And, and so Jesus, or in the Greek, Jesus, uh, is the Greek form of the Hebrew, Hebrew name Yeshua, or we might say Joshua, or Josiah, it was a fairly common name at, at the time of Jesus' birth. But, but what it means is the Lord saves. Well, Yahweh saves. And so the angel says to Joseph, this isn't just the product of a scandal. It's not that at all. It's the product of the Holy Spirit, but it's something very significant that this child is the vehicle, the, the one through whom the Lord will save. It says, because he will save the, his people from their sins. And, and so we can look through the history of the Bible and we see a Joshua who saved uh, Israel from, from their enemies and, and led Israel into the promised land and won uh, victorious battles against uh, human oppressors. And so he was a savior from the Lord in that purpose. And, and we can read about King Josiah, who was another variant of this name, who, who was the one who returned Israel um, all too late, unfortunately, but to returned Israel to rightful worship of their God and, and cast out, cast out <coughs> pardon me, idols and other objects of worship from Israel. There's different kinds of saviour and so Jesus is the Lord's salvation but, but about something very specific, about something much deeper than all of these other kinds of saviours that had come from the Lord. This is about saving the people from their sins. This word sin here in the Greek means the, missing the mark. It means guilt, it means sin, it means faults, it, it means moral and ethical failure, it means our sinful deeds, it, it means everything that is not right about us in terms of who we are and what we do. 
And so the angel says to Joseph, you're to call him Jesus because he's going to be salvation from the Lord. But he's not just going to be salvation from the Lord about defeating human enemies. He's not just going to be salvation from the Lord about getting all God's people to really, really worship right like Josiah did. He's going to be salvation from the Lord for the very thing that is fundamentally wrong about us. That very thing that was broken the moment Adam and Eve reached out and took fruit from the tree that they were told not to. This is salvation from the Lord for our sin and everything that separates us from God. It's all in the name. Jesus is the Lord's salvation from our own sin. But, but that's not the only name that, that uh, Jesus was given in this, in this story. We're, we're told in the next few verses that uh, Matthew tells us, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we have no record of any one of, of Jesus' friends actually literally calling him Emmanuel, but, but the gospel says that, that this prophecy that happened centuries before uh, and may have had some kind of fulfillment in that moment is ultimately about this event, the event of Jesus, that, that the virgin Mary has given birth to a son and his name is Jesus because Yahweh saves, but, but his name is also Emmanuel because he is God with us. So it's not just all in the name Jesus, it's all in the names Jesus and Emmanuel because this is a fulfillment of prophecy, but it's deeper than that. Emmanuel means God with us. And so what that means is this isn't just salvation sent from the Lord. This isn't just like Joshua. This isn't just like Josiah where, where God sent salvation through another person. This is the Lord himself coming into our history in the form of a human, in the form of a helpless babe, coming himself to be salvation. See, this story isn't just about a, a nativity scene and, and, and a little baby in a manger. It is that. But it's so much more than that. This is the salvation from God but not just from God, this is salvation when God himself enters into our history and says, I will save you from your sins. It's all in the name. The name Jesus tells us what he does. He saves us from our sin and the name Emmanuel tells us who he is. He is God himself. So how should we respond? How should we respond to this story, this moment in history, this Jesus event? Well, we can read about how, how Joseph responded and how Mary responded in the Gospels. We're told that when Joseph woke up from his dream with the angel, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to, to do and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. And so Joseph's response was to immediately go and live out in obedience to this revelation from the angel that, that Joseph now understands that this child is not the product of adultery but the product of the Holy Spirit. 
this child is the, the salvation that God promised long ago. This child is God himself. And so in response to that, Joseph lived out obedience. He, he took the relationships to the next level and took Mary home to be his wife, into his home. But we're told that they, they did not uh, consummate that marriage. They did not sleep together in that sense. Um, just in case anyone thought, ah, this was Joseph's son after all. But he took her home, he cared for her, he nurtured this, this revelation and the truth that it held in his life and in Mary's life. It's interesting that Joseph pretty well disappears from the, the biblical story a few chapters in. We don't know much more about him, but we, we know how he responded to this message of Jesus' birth. So Joseph and Mary's lives were turned completely upside down by this event. Mary was a young woman who was betrothed to be married uh, to a man who was, uh, we often think about, been a carpenter. He was probably a builder in some sense, but probably not with wood um, in Galilee. That's beside the point. They, they would have had, like any people, their life and plans and future direction uh, mapped out in a sense, to, to build a home, to live a quiet life um, in, in Galilee. But this turned their life upside down. Luke's gospel focuses more on, on the Mary side of the story. Matthew's more on the Jesus side of the story. But, but what they both did was they responded in obedience as much as this story turned their life upside down, they responded in obedience and they nurtured it. We, we read about Mary where she stored it all up in her heart. Their lives became all about this story. Whatever their plans, whatever their purpose, whatever their direction was going to be before this moment, their lives for the rest of their life and for all eternity became about this story. The Jesus event. And so we should respond likewise. We should respond having received uh, not directly from a dream of an angel or the Holy Spirit coming upon us and, and impregnating us with Jesus, but we've received this same revelation that the Virgin Mary was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We've received this same revelation that the angel gave to Joseph that, that through the Holy Spirit that this was Jesus, the Savior, coming into the world. We've received the same revelation that, that through the Holy Spirit that, that the angel gave to Joseph that, that this child was God himself coming into the world to be with us. And so just as Joseph's story and, and Mary's story all became from that moment on about the Jesus story, our response should be the same. That all of our lives should be shaped around this story. The birth, the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the Jesus event. And so we've been talking about last week, uh, two weeks ago we talked about all in. We talked about our lives been all about Jesus. About there been nothing else that, that comes before him or beside him that he and his kingdom should be the thing that we are all in for. 
And so Christmas, ironically, the time where we celebrate this birth, can be a time of distraction. It can be a time where the busyness of life and the lights and the dazzle and, and the traveling here and there can distract us from being all in for Jesus. And it's fun to celebrate, it's great to celebrate, and we should celebrate it. We should, you know, it is the season to be jolly, as Hannah proclaimed uh, this morning. But I want to encourage us as we enter into the depths of this season now that we don't lose the point in the midst of all of that. That the story of Jesus remains front and center. Not just to read it on Sunday morning or things like that, but, but to, to shape our entire lives around this story. Our lives should be just as turned upside down in the best possible way by the story of Jesus' birth as Mary's was. Our lives should be turned upside down in the best possible way by the story of Jesus' birth as Joseph was. Because because of this story, we have a saviour and it's God himself. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come up and we're going to celebrate that truth in song. And so what I'm going to do this morning is, um, as they come, I'm going to pray that far be it, the, the opposite to um, the potential to be distracted from the message of Jesus through this season of Christmas, that this Christmas, as we pray similar prayers every Christmas, but that this Christmas would be a time in which this story turns our life upside down. Because all of history, all of your story points to this story but not just points to it, only has meaning if it flows out from it. And so, Heavenly Father, may we, this Christmas season, not be distracted, not be torn away from being all in for you. May this season let us not have contempt or neglect or apathy towards the profoundness of this story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, this event of Jesus in history. And in fact, this season, Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that we just have moments of aha about this story that we've, we've most of us have gone over and over so many times but I pray that you would give us aha moments about this story I pray that just as Mary's life and Joseph's life was turned upside down by this revelation of Jesus Emmanuel I pray that you would turn our lives upside down in the best possible way by the story of Jesus' birth and it's in his name because of who he is our saviour and our God with us that we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.